Hear us here and the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. We're back. We are. It's been a week. Um, it it's has. A, it's like only been a week and it's been a week. Like, damn, I can't believe it's been a week, but also it feels like a month. Yeah. It's been a long week. That's for damn um, sure. My week also isn't over. I've just had... Uh, I, I was texting you about this like a few days ago that uh, the work that I'm doing at my job right now is it's like very repetitive work. Mm-hmm. So it's the kind of stuff that would normally fall in that like very mindless, like um, you're like half paying attention and I can just like really churn through some movies or something. Um, but it's like just over the edge where I have to think about it um to just make sure that everything is correct where it's like just taking up just enough energy that it's like boring but also i have to remain focused on it and it's just the worst possible combo it's the most exhausting yeah um because sometimes something's like actually engaging at work and then i'm just like focused on that um no it's just the the worst in the middle spot so um yeah it's just made me very exhausted but i still had fun reading these chapters yeah, better than last week for sure. Yeah. Um there's some there's some good moments in here. We get some payoff. I feel like we might have peaked early with the uh murder uh escalation to two episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. The the murder dad and then the, the escalation of murders. Yeah. Yeah, those are both really good sections. Uh, which is fine um, it's fine it's just um yeah you know um also i just don't like watching gunnar do this to himself like the man had every chance we'll get into it but the unforced error here getting yourself fucking killed for nothing yeah uh for maybe proto-nationalism yeah <laughs> the worst thing they get yourself killed for <laughs> um Anyway, shall we? Shall I get into the synopsis? Yeah, let's do it. We're reading sixty-seven through ninety of Nyala Saga, for the record. Yep. Um, so let me look. Um, so it starts off uh, with the plotting of uh, Merther against Schooner, um, and is specifically sort of aware of um the prophecy about uh if you uh kill a man uh like another man in the same family um and then also um what was the oh and also break an agreement those are the two parts um and so specifically Marathur's like plan is to to do the killing a man in the same family uh so he's talking to this guy named uh Thorger Starkathisern and they plot together to get another man named Thorger involved. This is Thorger Otkilson. Um, Otkil being one of the guys who died in our last section of readings. Um, so like his son. Um, and uh, the the Thorger uh, Starkerson, he decides to go along with this. Uh, and, you know, goes and like befriends uh, Thorger Ot- Otkilson and everything. Um, so we get a little bit of like them planning the attack. Um, and then, um, yeah, so they, they agree to this attack right home. Um, 
and then I think do they I think they stage the attack at first. Um and then uh Nyaddle's able to to help. Um he's like having trouble sleeping. He foresees these enemies. Um and oh this is the thing where he like maybe casts a, a sleep spell. Um it like kind of omits it, but like they say that there's a great drowsiness that came over them. Um and they just had to fall asleep right away. Um and Nyaddle's just like awake. Um doing something and his wife is like why are you awake um this could be implying that he was like casting a spell um but trying to like slightly subvert it in the way that we have an all or like hide that fact i feel like y'all increasingly has gandalf energy in this book yeah just like (laughs) knows that everything's going to shit refuses to actually like step in in a way that's like actionable until he will and die i'm sure um and uh but just ends up feeling very clever but kind of useless in the way that often gandalf can feel like uh when you're like please you could just solve all of our problems immediately could you do a little bit of anything um yeah he's kind of an odd figure in this in this saga um but um yeah and then i think they because they fall asleep um they're found out like uh gunner builds a a you know, forced to stand against them. Um, and at the assembly, they have to like pay for basically trying to attack him. Um, like going out to, to attempt this. Um, and then, uh, we get some like legal stuff around that where, um, Martha's trying to like prove that Gunnar broke the agreement. Um, and y'all's like, no, (laughs) he didn't. Um, Oh, we, we get this line in here too. Um, I talked about how this reading has a few things that are like potentially this building of a nation. Um, and one of them is perhaps un- unsurprisingly, there's this uh, quote from um Nyaddle that's with the law, our land shall be built up and by lawlessness destroyed. Um, and unsurprising that this like adorns the, the top of many uh, courthouses in Iceland. Um, and I think like other parts of, of, uh, you know, the Nordic countries, but especially Iceland, um, specifically the, uh, with the law, our land shall be built up. They, they like to omit that and by lawlessness destroyed, which I wonder why they omit that part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, and ends up coming to, uh, you know, somewhat of a settlement here, um, but uh the Thorgers, um, you know, the two namesakes of each other and uh Marathir, they they plan a second attempt. Um and uh let me see. I forget exactly how the this there is like this one's a more successful ambush right now. Um and it's like while uh, Gunnar and Kolskegger are riding out rather than like trying to attack him at home. Um, and so is this, do people, I forget if people die here yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is where uh, Thorgir Atkelson dies. Um so there's the fight and Gunnar ends up there's there's a great little moment I think of um Thorgir Starkathison trying to like egg 
Akilson on and be like, you know, don't you have a father to avenge? Like you're acting like you don't have one to avenge. Um, and then Thorger Akilson being like, uh, true it is that we haven't made much progress, but you haven't even kept pace with me and I don't need to be egged on by you. Um, which is just fully following the original plan of like, you hang back and just let the other Thorger die. Um, but anyway, that happens. Um, and then the suit gets raised. Um, and because of the attempt on his life, it like cancels out a lot of the, the, um, actual thing, like Gunnar killing multiple men. Um, but there's one thing that seems like it's probably a thing for, uh, like trying to make the other side happy where essentially Gunnar gets what would be like lesser outlawry yeah. applied, which is he has to leave for three, the country for three years. Um, and then he can come back and then he's not an outlaw, but like you have to leave for three years. Uh, this is different than full outlawry, which was, uh, you're just declared an outlaw and anybody can kill you without impunity. Um, or with impunity, I guess. Um, so, you know, the plan is, uh, he's exiled. He just needs to go abroad. Um, I, f I forget if it's, uh, Niall or somebody else who's like, you won a lot of renown the last time you traveled abroad. Like, it's going to be even greater this time. I think it's Nyaro because he's like, or if you stay here, you're going to die. Um, you can either, like, leave the country for three years and win a bunch of fame and renown and live to be an old man. Or you'll die if you don't leave. Um, and Gunnar's like, sounds good. I will go abroad. Um, however, he then... And th this is... Um, like, especially in the creating a national movement out of the sagas that it occurred during, like, the independence movement against Denmark, um, this scene in particular gets, like, uh, particularly heralded. Um, and we can have our opinions on, like, whether or not actual uh, proto-nation building is happening in the, the saga, or if this is, like, a thing that's happening after the fact when people are reading these and, and trying to construct a nation around it. Um, but Gunnar is, um, riding out and his horse stumbles and throws him. Uh, and as he, you know, is lands on the ground and looks up, he sees the slope, uh, where the farmhouses of, you know, his, his, um, homestead, Hitherendi, uh, where that's located. And he says, fair is the slope, fairer it seems than I've ever seen it before with whitening grain and the home field moan. I shall ride back home and not go abroad at all. Um, and then Kolskeg, uh, brother is like, if you do this, like you're going to die. You broke the settlement. You did the second part that you're not supposed to do, which is break the agreement. Um, hey, Kolskeg gets the fuck out of town. He's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, if you do this, I'm still leaving and I'm never coming back. And, uh, I think he, I think in his case, it's true. There's, there's one guy, um, at least where this is evidence that, two sagas were stitched together for like the version we have now, mm. uh, where it says that somebody's out of the saga and he's not, he'll be in back in like chapter 92 or something. Okay. Um, <laughs> but at that point it, it's like the, the last couple chapters we read might be the start of like another saga, or it might be like a tale that's being used to stitch stuff together or something. Um, some of that stuff is kind of weirdly, uh, standalone. Um, but yeah, Kolskager gets the fuck out of town. Um, Gunnar's like, 
Uh, I'm just so happy to be home now. Uh, there's some other part, I forget exactly where it was later on, um, where there's even a thing where, like, it's not even going that far, and he's just like, I just like being home. <laughs> uh, he just, like, weirdly becomes uh, content with just staying at home yeah. all the time. Um. Oh, we forgot to mention, uh, Gunnar gets a dog somewhere in here. Yeah. I forget where that happens. A dog named Salmer, which uh, was also the name of the the guy who was uh, sort of the like main guy going against um, Robin Kell and Robin Kell. Oh, okay. Um, so that's why when that Salmer came up, I was like, in my head, I just always think of the dog first when I think of this name. Mm. Like, the dog's the most prominent Salmer in all of the sagas to me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, um, this dog's not that prominent. This dog uh, is only famous because it's about to get fucking got. Yeah. I mean, but they describe how he's a really great dog. Yeah, he's really great at getting axed in the head. Um, yeah, so he gets axed in the head. Oh, before that, before that, there's the bit here um, where uh, Nyal's like, you, you really shouldn't have done this. You're, you're fucking up everything for everyone. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll take it all in my head. I don't, I don't want anyone to go down but me. Um, I only ask that you look after Hogney. Um, Grani sucks. Forget about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is very funny. Uh, it comes up. Uh, where was the wording earlier, too? Um, where it talks about, like, how both of his uh, children had grown mm-hmm. up. Um, and it's just, like, fully euphemism of, like, you know, Hogney was, like, the greatest of men, uh, you know, a strapping young lad. Uh, and Grani... Uh, he took after his mother. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, there's the great part of him being like, uh, yeah, I I have one request to make of you, and that is that you look after my son, Hogni. Uh, I'll not say anything about Granny because he does much, which is not to my liking. Um, just full on, um, the kid has bad vibes. Please be a dead bat, a deadbeat dad to him in my absence yes. when I die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they eventually get word, uh, that, so Gunnar stayed home, um, Merther, uh, Valgerson, he gets word that, uh, Gunnar's basically home alone, like, there aren't a bunch of men, um, most of them have gone with, like, uh, you know, his brother and stuff abroad, is part of what's happening here, with, like, Kolskegger, they, like, manned the boats, uh, the ships that they're taking across the ocean. Um, but here he's like particularly alone, just like all of the, the men who would be staying there uh, are out. It's basically just the family. Um, and so in order, one thing they have to do is they have to catch the, the dog. Uh, Cause when he got the dog, there was some prophecy too, that if the like dog was by his side, then he wouldn't die. This is like a little lesser thing that comes up anyway. Um, they catch the dog and they ax him in the head and the, the dog dies. Um, <laughs> then, uh, we get this big battle. Um, some of this stuff reminded me of the stuff at the end of Lux Dialocide. Yes. Um, they like take off the roof in a different way. Um, <laughs> well, there's a bit where they're like, they take dude, off there's the a roof. bit where they're like standing, they're like standing, they're like standing on the roof. Right. And they're like, do we know if he's in there? And like, he stabs one of them through a window. It's like, well, we know his halberds in there. So he's probably in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they they have uh, Thorgrimir. He's the one who gets stabbed. He's like up on the roof. Uh, and then he goes to them and they're like, well, is he home? And he says, find that out for yourself. All I know is this all it is and falls to the ground. Dead. <laughs> uh great little moment um this is this is like probably my favorite chapter is just the fight at home of the stuff that we read Mm -hmm. um there's just some like good little interactions here even if a lot of it feels similar to lock stylus i guess stuff um one uh notable thing here um again one of the names of the saga is burning y'all saga or burning y'all saga um Merthyr multiple times is like, let's just burn the home. Let's just burn him to death in the home. Um, and Geezer the White is like, no, I would never do that. Uh, please stop saying, let's just burn him, <laughs> burn him to death in the home. Um, <laughs> That's the only thing he wants but, to do is burn a guy yeah. in his house. Yeah. He's only got one idea. Uh, I hope he gets the chance. <laughs> um, I don't actually remember if he's at all involved in any future burnings, but he definitely is uh, a little arson right now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so most for the most part, they're like not making any headway because, um, if you may recall, Gunnar is just uh, incredible with with his bow, um, and so they can't even really get near he's just like keeps shooting people down um or just keeping them at bay by being a really good uh shot with his bow and arrow um but uh eventually one guy um i think it's uh ausbrander um he runs up and um he does get killed with the halberd in the process but um he manages to cut the the bowstring before he dies um think with an axe or something um and so gunnar says to huddle give me two strands of your hair uh and you and my mom you'll twist it together to make a bow a new bowstring for me uh so that i don't die um and yeah there's the great uh exchange where she says does anything depend on that (laughs) she says he says my life depends on it (laughs) because they will never get at me as long as i use my bow and she says in that case, I'll remind you of the slap on the face you gave me, and I don't care whether you hold out a longer or shorter time. Uh, just fully, um, you know, Halogarthra will remember this. Uh, you get the little pop-up that you made the wrong choice there. Now this is where you die. Um, we also, oh, we get, um, I think this is our first bit of poetry so far in the saga about how he died. Yes. Um, we're going to get a couple more. Um, and yeah, the this translation is doing a lot more to try and capture like the um, alliteration and like uh, consonants that exists in um, in like Old Norse poetry. Mm. So you get a lot of like the H's repeating and the S's repeating and things. Um, but, uh, yeah, he dies. Everyone's bummed out about it, except obviously the people who wanted to kill him. Although some of the people are still kind of bummed up, bummed out about it. Um, and then, um, we then get this bit. So we learn about, uh, he's buried in a, in a, like a, a burial mound, um, and people see like an apparition of him sitting in the mound looking towards the moon because they they put him in sitting up um and uh 
Scarpathan and Hogni. So um, I think Scarpathan is one of um, Nyal's sons, and then Hogni's now being fostered by Nyal, basically. Um, they go over to uh, be with uh, Ranvegir, uh, Gunnar's mother. Um, I forget exactly when it is that uh, Halogerther. Oh, it happens in here too, where uh, Ranvegir was so embittered against Halogerther that she came near killing her. Um, and so then Halogerther f- uh, flees to some, um, you know, some of her kinsmen um, near the Griotau River um, with uh, Grauni. Grauni goes as well. Um, but yeah, Hogni gets uh, fostered by Nyal, uh, but then. Scarpathan and Hogni go over to stay with uh, Nial's mother, and that's when they see um, this apparition of uh, Gunnar sitting, looking towards the moon with a cheerful expression, uh, and recites the verse so loudly that they can very clearly hear it, of, uh, said the gold ring giver, gladly who in sword fray, fought with fearless heart, and father was of Hogni. He would rather, helm clad, hold on his shield, I fall upon the field, then flee, thou tree of combat, then flee, thou tree of combat. Um, This has some kennings in here for warrior, uh, tree of combat, and gold ring giver. Uh, But basically this thing of, like, I would rather, um, you know, fight and die upon the field than flee and, and, like, you know, not face my enemies. Um, Especially because of some of the idea of here of like staying, this also gets tied into nation building stuff. Um, but it's more immediately in the saga, like inspiring these two boys to get revenge. Um, so they go out and they do that. They get revenge. <laughs> um, I forget who all they kill. Uh, I know her... it's like, not like the main people who like, I think uh, Merther doesn't die here. Um, but like Hraldir does, um, and some other people that they'll have to pay for. So, um, do they, I forget if they kill, uh, Starkather and Thorgir or not, but, um, anyway, Nyala once again steps in, makes a settlement, uh, for the slaying. Um, oh yeah, Starkather and Thorgir both die. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, makes a settlement here. Um, and, uh, Merther is the one who has to like pay for everything. Um, there's sort of a, um, like dual thing. I think an interesting note here, um, I believe this is when, uh, even though Gunnar was technically in a state of outlawry, he becomes part of the like considerations for compensation because he was just such a well-respected man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we learn that uh, Kolskager just, like, fully fucks off, uh, goes and joins the Varangians. Um, yes. Yeah, I think he is well and truly out of the saga. He goes to Constantinople. Yeah. Uh, first to the, to Denmark and is baptized, then to Russia, then to Constantinople. Which is cool, uh, but not as cool as the first guy who did it. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Varangians are just full of Icelanders now. Who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is, the, this is the moon landing thing. You send a guy to the moon. It's great. You send the third group of guys to the moon. You're like, yeah, whatever. You're interrupting sports for this. Yeah, it's not nearly as cool as the dog that went to the moon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
He does. I do appreciate that he particularly has like a Christian going to Constantinople version, or he like they're falling. It's like he's going to become God's knight. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a whole different connotation than just ending up there. Yeah. Uh, then we also learn a little bit about um, so Thrawn Sigfusson, one of um, Gunnar's kinsmen. Um, he goes, wins the, the friendship of Earl Hauken of Norway. Um, I don't know if there's any, like, particularly standout things here. Um, we do get him with, uh, Gunnar Lambison, who we haven't met before, but also, uh, Lambi Sierthersen, who I think is in Lockstyle Saga, mm. if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, we get, like, the slaying of, uh, this man, Cole, part of how he wins like um you know acceptance with the with the earl um oh. and then uh Dramir and Helgi who are two of the sons of Njal um they also go abroad and uh so i think they go they there's like um inclement weather there's like a storm and they don't know where they are at first uh, and so they're like, it might be the Orkneys or Scotland or, or Ireland. Um, it ends up being Scotland. Um, this whole and... sequence is like when you go the wrong way in a Dark Souls and you don't know who's going to come attack you. You just know someone's going to come and fuck up your day, though. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely get the vibe of like the mist clearing yeah. and you're just like in some fuck off. Oh, place no, with... we're way yeah. underleveled for this area. <laughs> who's coming? <laughs> um but thankfully they have the the interaction turned on yeah. like the online interaction turned on uh and kauri sp spawns in and decides to help them rather than fight them um so kauri is going to be like one of the new badasses of the saga uh he's sort of entering as a main character here but this is the the introduction of him um and we get like a little bit of how um he becomes friends with uh helgi and greener um but yeah, he sort of comes in to and helps save them. Um, Kari's described as leaping over a spear and what I can only describe as like the literary equivalent of bullet time. Yeah. Someone throws a spear at him and he jumps over it. That's like Solid Snake backflipping off the missile in Twin Snakes to me. Yeah, there's also the part where uh, he's like standing on a, I forget what part um, of the ship, but it's like, you know, a big like wooden part. Uh, and like someone swings uh, a huge weapon at him and he like jumps backwards off of it and then it gets stuck and so he's able to get his kill yeah. um yeah he's full of like all all sorts of cool you know we lost gunner who had like the the jrpg like uh drop down menu and now we've got like we got like a parkour here, guy he's got yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah he enters in here um and they basically just like go adventuring. Um, they uh, end up falling in the good graces of Earl Searther of the Orkneys. Um, and uh, I feel like they have a couple other adventures here, but um, none of them are that notable. You got the like. There cool is a bit where he, parts. the Earl's just kind of chilling, and they get like the sense that something bad is happening. And he's like, don't you have, a, like, a, a Scotland to run? And he's like, I do. It's like, well, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> we haven't heard news from anybody in ages. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a part where um, 
I forget which is it Helgi who uh might have second sight as yes. well. Yeah, the, he's like, oh, do, yeah. do you do you see the future? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just got a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone's like, uh, his dad does have second sight yeah. and can see the future. So maybe. Um, what you're telling me is Helgi's going to Duke Leto uh, himself into a worm man. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> um, but then we also learn about uh, Killer Hopper is back again yeah this um, this one i was like wait a second <laughs> i want to believe uh, that this man is just reincarnating through time and space or is this meant to be the same guy this is meant to be the same guy okay um the this section like the the whole thing with him like hiding on the boat and everything mm. Uh, just stylistically like the the way that this is structured with like the three and everything mm. um feel like is likely based off of some sort of like other form of romance novel mm. uh not romances yeah, yeah like, i know what you mean yeah um and so this feels like fully invented for this side yeah um which also feels like part of like this is stuff that they're doing to like stitch things together mm. um they're like inserting other things here's like maybe a another story that they're adapting and they're bringing in this guy who they really liked from Lux Dylas Saga because I also really like him in Lux Dylas Saga he's just weird and uh shitty all the time and then, in a way and then that's there's like a ghost fun. briefly yes there's there's a yeah, lot and there's also a cool ghost yeah. um so if I was writing fanfic for Black Style Osaka, I would put him in here. Uh, <laughs> this guy definitely has like a Batman cameo feel to him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a weird side villain who's like never really that antagonistic to the main characters, uh, but is also kind of just constantly a shit. Um, and this yeah, also he, this he, chapter just goes forever forever yeah we just have like <laughs> hit really a long. part where the book becomes like different in tone as it's been yeah yeah there's definitely like a uh tonal like almost a genre yes. shift that happens at this point um and yeah he basically like cons his way abroad he killed a man um he offered he like basically bribes um who is it? Uh, is it Colbane who he bribes? I think so. Um, yeah, he like bribes a man to take him on board. Uh, then once they get to Norway and the man's like, all right, give me give me the money. He's like, well, I do have it in Iceland. I don't have it here with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Colbane says, uh, you are going to cheat more men than just me. Yet I am going to let you off for the whole fare. Um. There's also him just like starting shit randomly, stealing people's food on the the ship. Um but anyway, uh he gets into trouble with um Earl Hauken. Uh and Earl Hauken wants to like basically seize hold of him. Um he he seduces the uh daughter of his host, Booth Bronder. Um he burns down a temple that's owned by Earl Hauken and Booth Bronder. Um, he's just like causing all sorts of mischief. And so he's declared an outlaw by the Earl, uh, price is put on his head. And then this is where like all these stories sort of intersect where, um, Hrop is trying to flee, uh, ends up, uh, bribing his way onto Thrawn's ship. 
Um, and we get this whole uh, sort of exchange of like, I think first is like hiding in barrels that are like being suspended off the side of the boat. Yeah. Um, and the King only realizes once he's gotten back to shore. So they row out again, but while he's like going to shore and rowing out again, they put him, uh, where some like grain sacks were. And it's only when the King gets back to the shore that he realizes that there are grain sacks that were out that weren't previously. in, so he must've been hiding there. Um, and then the third time they like put him in the sail, um, and then again, he only realizes it once he's like back on shore. But by then, the the ship is going out. Uh, they've like raised the sail and it's sailing away. Um, but he's just like so upset by this now. He's just pissed off because he knows, like he's like positive basically uh, that Hopper was there um, and was concealed and has gotten away, and he just wants to take it out on someone. And here come the sons of Njal and. Uh, he decides to just pick a fight with them. Um, they end up, uh, they're like tied up because there's this detail of they don't want to kill him at night because that could be considered murder. Um, killings at night are like different than killings in the day in this way. It's another little weird peculiarity, peculiarity of like Norse law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they tie them up. Um, but uh, I think it's like Gramir who uh, cuts the like ropes around his hand off with an axe, although it uh, sort of cuts up his arm some too. Um, and then freeze Helgi. Uh, they get to shore, get the like shackles off their feet. Um, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And then once again, here comes Kauri being a, a badass and, you know, helps them out. They want to try and go get revenge, but they go back around and the Earl's already left. Um, and uh, they go back to Iceland. Um and uh Kaori goes with them and marries their sister. Um what is her name? It's like right at the end. Did they mention her name? Um mm, I think it's just Oh, Helga. I was glazing over it because uh there's so much Helga. Yes. Yeah, Mary's Helga. Um which is their brother or their sister. Um, and basically is just like settling down in Iceland. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, where we end off. Um, oh, we also get that uh, killer rapper um, goes and hangs out with uh, Gunnar's widow, Harald Gerther. Uh, and they seem like a good couple. Uh, they, they feel like they're uh, matched in interests. <laughs> uh, so that's where we end. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, this is, this is sort of getting into the, this is like the conclusion of what was possibly the Gunnar saga that got stitched onto the, the Njal saga. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's some, some good scenes. Uh, I kind of intentionally picked us starting into the next arc a little bit, but stuff that was just scene setting, Mm -hmm. um, and not like really getting into what's going to happen next. Uh, just so that we could get this like weird tonal shift that's happening and uh, in these chapters as like stuff changes over. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. Fair. This uh, this feels like it's entered like the realm of books that were written and not like oral tradition. That's how like literary these chapters, these late chapters felt. Yeah, 
yeah, especially a lot of the stuff around uh, Hopper just feels like a, uh, you know, a book. Yeah. Uh, like a story that they're just like constructing to tell rather than record trying to record history. Um, which we've gotten a little bit that's like touched on that, but for sure it's the the most obvious of um, like a literary tradition. Yeah. Um. But do do we want to talk about uh, Gunnar's decision to choose proto nationalism and die? I just I don't understand it because like it's three years and. I feel like the the tenor of Icelandic saga has been really clear that like the idea of like going somewhere and doing something that will take you several years and take you out of the country is not that big a deal. Like regularly, it's like, we'll get married as soon as I go secure my fortune for two years. I'm like, yeah, sure. Peace. See you in two years. Like, it's not it's not a problem. It's it's not like the like you get into like the like literature of characters who are in like thwarted romances hundreds of years later and it's like oh see i can't wait three years we'll die we'll fall apart our relationship will never last that is not the the tone of the sagas yeah so he just feels like he's cho- it's like time to die <laughs> right like, it's just like my my goal here is done it's time for me to be escorted out of the saga i fucked up everything i could fuck up so let's get murdered um totally unforced error uh yeah i'm sending you a picture from uh so i looked through the photo i did this last time too and there were a couple photos but none of them were like very exciting uh but the this first one i thought was very funny um so they have a it's an actual photograph of like the spot where um gunner's home was supposed to be okay um so i'm just sending it to you with uh this is what compelled gunner to choose death over adventure uh, for the uh, record, for the people, photo. this is a the flattest land you've ever seen. And I live in Nebraska. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Um, yeah. No, very little grass, some horses. And in the distance is like a fuck off ugly mountain range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, like the mountains like going up. Yeah. But like there's bare like there's this tiniest little peak in one area. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just like a, a flat like peak yes. like lying across the sky this looks like shit valley of dirt it. mountain like there's nothing here yeah <laughs> um the other photo that they have in here is a a drawing of the burial man okay um so i'll send this one as well um that's a bigger shots, looking so. mountain than the real mountain we just saw yeah i mean I it's a much closer I mountain know. but yeah um yeah um it's also a drawing, so it feels like they uh they really tried to emphasize like they tried to make the mountain in the distance look cooler. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah. Um I did it is interesting to me every time I read this, like knowing that this saga is in some ways culturally culturally important for multiple reasons. Like part of the independence movement is claiming the sagas as like specifically Icelandic cultural heritage that are about like a proto nation of Iceland as distinct from Norway. Um, and I think there's some stuff in here where like when it is this stuff where it's people about Icelanders, there is like a, there's a certain distinct tenor to this that like, even when we read the, um, 
Hamskringla, which is going to be about like the the kings of Norway, uh, and we're going to have some stuff that's also very similarly grounded in a way that like um, some of the legendary sagas where people are going gallivanting in faraway lands or where you're hearing about gods and things obviously don't have the same grounding that happens in this, but there is still like a, a noticeable tone <clears throat> and like genre style to the sagas that are set in Iceland. Um, but also like at the time, this was all just sort of Norse. Uh, there's a different, a slightly different, like legal and political system happening in Iceland. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was still based on like the system that existed in Norway. It's just, instead of a King having it, like multiple people had to get together and make that decision. Whereas a King could just outlaw someone. Now you need like a group of people doing it. Um, and so there is like this push towards a, a more representative democracy than like kings are. Um, even though there's obviously still a, a great deal of like who has the power in the society and who doesn't. Um, obviously, it's like uh, fairly wealthy men. Um, you know, those are the people who are going to the all thing and uh, making all these uh, adjudications and everything. Yeah. Um, but. So, like, I understand, like, especially, like, the 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 impulse to say these belong to, like, Iceland. Um, they should be returned from Copenhagen, from Copenhagen to Reykjavik uh, as part of this independence push. Um, and we should no longer be a colony of Denmark. Um, all that stuff, I, like, understand how that construction happens as part of a, like, uh, nationalism that is building out of an independence movement. Uh, the part that's always funny to me is that passage of him being like, oh, I'd rather die at home than than travel abroad. Uh, I can see how you tie that to nationalism, but it also does just get him killed. Like, it, it's just a stupid choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, it feels like a thing that is uh, within the saga should be read as folly but that then gets like retroactively made into like this extremely, um, you know, noble thing that he's I can, doing. I can understand retroactively throwing it in as like, this is, this is his tie to the land and he wanted to live. He wanted to die here rather than go abroad. But um, this is not in the text. Like I get, I get like yeah. nationalist movements will hold on to all sorts of legacy. And especially given the way that like, gunnar especially like as this has gone on has been um kind of kind of representative of like it's not as far it's not as explicit as that because the 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 text is mostly just things happen um but if he wanted to pontificate about it he is like the like sword swinger out of legend in a world that's like businessmen and politicians right <laughs> like there's definitely a vibe yeah. to that in the way that he interacts with everyone else um Especially in how, like, he always comes to Nial for help. Nial bails him out because Nial's a man who understands the modern world. Um, and then when it gets too, he gets in too deep that Nial can't ba bail him out, uh, he gets him, like, this one compromise and it goes too far against uh, Gunnar's morals and he won't do it. Um, and I see how you can, like, twist that into whatever narrative you want. But, like, ultimately, uh, I think he just comes off as a clown <laughs> in this in this reading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is a weird... Um... There, there's a way that you can read this as like, uh, like you're saying, Gunnar is like a, the the legend of the hero that exists in this culture, um, and the way that like when you actually are trying to run a society that's just creating pr 
problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there's this like, even up, even through his death, uh, even as he's like accruing all of these feuds and things, he's being held up as such a great man. Um, but he's constantly being like bailed out by someone who just knows the law and can, uh, often like knows how to contort the law to be on their side. Um, and so a lot of this stuff, from my perspective reading it, feels more of a, a critique of, like, the problems of Icelandic society at the time when this was written. Um, that, like, these ideas of heroism and, like, the masculinity in, embodied in Gunnar, um, especially in ways that get contrasted against Njal, who, again, is beardless and is thus less masculine and manly in this society. Um, <clears throat> the way that there's, like, a... a uh, a thing that is happening between like that social role of the valiant hero and then the like um sort of social structure that exists around these laws, but the way that those laws are uh decided and the way that they like play out is creating this scenario that so far ha- has primarily led to <clears throat> like it's led to a lot of death and destruction and in this moment finally leads to like the death of one of the main instigators. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes there are people who are like obviously being shitty to Gunnar. Um, but we've talked about all the ways that I think he could have tried to approach things differently other than just like Nyal and Gunnar letting their wives start shit and things. Yes. Um, <clears throat> which is all the lead up to what's happening here. Um, and so I read it to to some degree as being like, what are the parts that need to be given up? Yeah. Um, if like, you know, they they tried this government system and why did it fail and why did they have to then subject themselves to the Norwegian crown again? Here are like the actual, both the the um, legal system, like the issues with that, but also the cultural like issues with the way that um heroism and like great men are are thought about and depicted um and you know we we've sort of dealt with one of the great men but we'll we'll see how stuff continues from here i mean we've got kari again he's another great man who um is able to come in but also notably different than gunnar is coming from the hebrides it's said that that's where um where he originates um which within the society would generally be a bit of a lower class. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that's where like they might get a lot of slaves as they were coming here and stuff. Same as Ireland when we were doing uh lock style saga. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think there's some there, there's obviously like half of this book to go. Uh, there's more stuff to have happen. Um, and we still don't know how everything goes with Neal, but um, I do think I read this as being a little bit more critical of uh, Gunnar, even as it is like willing to buy into the idea of him as a hero, because you kind of have to sell that to like make the point work. Um, if you make him not seem like a hero, then you aren't actually critiquing the heroism part of it and like the way that that causes these problems. So um I think that's my read on it so far. We'll see how it goes as we continue. But um, I don't think that my my takeaway from this is uh, 
nationalism is great <laughs> and uh Gunnar is the greatest hero who's ever lived. <laughs> yeah. Um I just those that kind of myth making will come out of the literature of any country that's particularly invested yeah. in history. Um I just don't ever particularly find that like worthwhile or interesting, I guess. Yeah. And I do think there's stuff in the saga that is like pushing against that. Yeah. Um even if that stuff gets easily ignored by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'm at in the saga. I don't know if I have too much else to say. Yeah. I always pop when Killer Harap shows up. Um, I would love if this guy just keeps showing up where he doesn't belong. I'm just here to murder guys. I don't know. I'm sorry. Just, uh, we got the <laughs> ringer. You know, you gotta go to central casting for a Killer Harap. We need a guy who fucks shit up. Doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Um, he's great. <clears throat> um, what? Where's the Where's the killer hop in like Limbus Company? I feel like we deserve this. Yeah, <laughs> we need this. <clears throat> what would the What would the? Because I feel like none of the names are like, like Odysseus is like Otis, yeah, or whatever. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't even, I don't understand the naming scheme of that game in terms of why it picks the names for people. I assume there's like some reason. I just haven't cared enough about the, the lore to understand. Um, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But I'm just saying that someone put Killer Hop in something. I'd pop for this. Yeah, he's a good character. Um, I don't remember if he shows up in that many more sagas. Missed opportunity. Um, I should look. Uh, that is <clears throat> one of the things, like, part of the reason why I wanted us to read um, Loxdala Saga before we did Nyal Saga is just how much, like, Loxdala Saga is clearly just an influence on um, Nyal Saga. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, I'm not going to be able to find this just looking on the internet right now. That's fine. Um, I know. Oh, does he come up in... Mm. No, this is saying uh, similar burials happen in other sagas. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't think it's the same guy. Um. Anyway, I started watching The Prisoner. <laughs> this was Jackson's <laughs> prediction for what this was, and I was like, okay. I was like, you said it's gonna take. I you said to me it will take a couple weeks. I was I told Jackson it can't be The Prisoner. It's got to be something longer than that a fool i was no, it's, it's just that um i mean it could take shorter but i didn't want to watch more than like two episodes a day oh, yeah, when yeah, i was yeah. at work especially because so this is the funny thing um i decided to watch the prisoner mm -hmm. um i was going to just ask you like what's the watch order to do uh like you i literally just watch them off the blu-ray i feel yeah. like people who worry about this the way they worry about like other shows that are aired out of order are missing the point as long as the first episode and the last episode are where they belong i don't i don't think it matters i genuinely don't <laughs> yeah and i know there's gonna be uh, people who are mad at me listening to this i'll be like no 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 actually there's like these threads that get picked up about it. i don't care uh <laughs> prisoner's not about any of that shit i it's just not <laughs> yeah um 
But I did see the, I remember that it actually had come up in the Discord at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I like searched in the Discord for uh, the prison. I think I did like a uh, prisoner watch order mm-hmm. or something. Um, and reading that, I was like, oh, it seems like it, <clears throat> it doesn't matter that much. But I think I'll do the ITC one, um, which I think uh, Jackson advocated for and when i looked into it it was like the original sequence that was was planned sure um even though it didn't get broadcast that way initially um and i was like i guess i'll watch it in that sequence uh and so i just decided in my in my mind that i was going to do this uh, and i watched the first episode and i was like oh i should listen to uh the totally reprised like episodes about this as i watch uh, so I loaded them up and then I was, I started the first one and Molly's like, we're just watching it in the like order that it was originally aired, the order that's like on the, you know, DVDs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not going to change it. I'm just still going to do the ITC method. Cause I think now it's funnier yeah. to do that and then listen to totally reprise out of order. Yeah, that's fair. So that's what I'm going to be doing is, uh, I um, doing it in that order. So yeah, I I played the game Device Six, which is an iOS game that I really like. Um, I have a poster from Device Six on my wall. It's the only it's the only video game poster I think I own in this apartment. Um, that's not true. I have an Umjam Lamic poster. Um, but um, I love it. It's like this little puzzle game that's like uh, it's like a miss style adventure game, but it's all like as you go through, like it's all text and you're moving through the text and the text like wraps around as you like turn corners and there's a bunch of puzzles in the text itself it's really neat i like it a lot um and i had destiny play it this was early when we were dating and she was like this this is like the prisoner and i was like what the what's the what the fuck's the prisoner um and so she bought me the prisoner on blu-ray uh, having not seen it just she knew about the prisoner because she knows pop culture things that i i have no idea about um and we watched it together and it just was like my fucking favorite show in the world it's just I have no deep thoughts about the prisoner. Um, there's been a abnormal mapping prisoner watch through podcast. It's been like kicked around a couple times. Um, I think I've mentioned this enough. Like there, there's, there's been the idea. It hasn't been touched on a couple years. We all got very busy that me, Jackson and Austin would do a prisoner watch through. Never really. This was before totally uh, reprised did it. Um, and uh, we're all busy people. And that never came to pass. I don't know if it ever will now. Um, I'm not sure my heart's in doing it the way we want to do it. Cause we wanted to do a bunch of research like Twin Peaks rewatch did when they did Twin Peaks. And um, it just is, it's more work than like, I think I realistically have in me. Um, but um, also the prisoners, a, a show about laughing at ridiculous things happening very seriously for an hour. Um, I feel like why, if you understand, if you understand my deep love of the prisoner, people would never question why I'm like season two of Twin Peaks. That's the shit. Like who gives a shit about the rest of yeah. it? <laughs> I just want the world's most like foreboding man to be owned by a bunch of weirdos for an hour every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the, the, like, I'm sure that there's like, it, I, I've watched three episodes so far, mm-hmm. uh, which in the ITC order are Arrival, The Chimes of Big Ben, and A, B, and C. Um, there is something in A, B, and C that suggested, like, uh, number two is getting a call about, like, you have this many days, or you're, like, you're, you're done. Um, that's, like, feeding into, like, 
the number two changing out all the time, mm. but there's also a certain amount of uh like Doctor Who logic in number two as well. Yes. Where he's kind of the same man yes. constantly. Yes. Even though he's played by different people. Yeah. Um like uh him and number six interact in a way that implies like a continuity of identity. Yeah. <laughs> uh that I just find like interesting and also um particularly funny at, at points. Um, in just like a, a weird absurdist way. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think so far A, B and C was my, my least favorite of the three. Uh, I mean, it wasn't bad, but, um, I, I like the other two a little bit more. Um, the, the like dream machine thing, um, only has so much mileage for me. Yeah. Uh, I think Paprika got the furthest with it and that's still like my least favorite Satoshi Kon thing. So. Um, that's fair. I, uh, I've always had a soft spot for Paprika. I think it is the first Satoshi Kon thing. I, I think I'd seen a couple episodes of Paranoia Agent, but that was it. Um, yeah. Much earlier in my anime watching life, uh, and I saw it in a theater, like in its first original release, it was just like, oh, anime at the movie theater. I'm gonna go catch this thing, which is the fucking most incredible way to be exposed to Satoshi Kon when you have no idea what you're about to experience. Um, <laughs> Um, I love doing it. I wish I could do that more in my life. I wish I could just like wipe all memory of things from my brain every time I see a movie. Um, it'd make my enjoyment of them so much higher. Um, but um, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I should rewatch The Prisoner. I have the Blu-ray still. I have, I have not watched it since that one time I watched it, which is now coming on like 10 years now. Um, loved it. It's such a dumbass show. <laughs> um. The first uh, Satoshi Kon thing that I ever watched was Perfect Blue, mm -hmm. um, which I got from a, a like local video rental shop. A lot of the anime I watched was was from like the weird um, suburbs of Chicago. Like, I think was mostly just bootlegged anime and like Japanese movies. Mm -hmm. um, that's also where I watched some like weird Yakuza movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that place was always a gamble. Uh, is it going to have subtitles or not? Um, will there be a dub track on there? Probably not. Mm. Uh, maybe, but usually not. Mm -hmm. Um, the, this other one was, it was the like dub VHS. Um, and when that video store shut down, uh, they just like sold all of the VHSs that they currently had. Um, and so part of it was like whatever was currently in stock that, you know, normally gets sold off. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a bunch of whatever was, was, I don't even remember what was current at the time. And at that point they had DVD stuff too. Um, but I actually bought the VHS of perfect blue. So I, I have that. Okay. Uh, the one that I watched from the rental shop. Nice. But, um, yeah, I, um, I mean, Cone has like a, such a limited filmography. I'm, I still haven't seen Tokyo Godfathers, which I know you're a big fan of. Um, I just am kind of like, it's the last thing. It's the only thing I haven't seen. My favorite's millennium actress. I think that movie's fucking incredible um that movie's really good it's just like this is this is doing a, the, a kind of story that i don't i don't think of anime as having in it but is better by being animated in that like it allows them to compress this character through time that would be hard to do in live action you'd have to cast like 12 different actresses and it, it just wouldn't cohere in the same way um but um it's really good uh, yeah. yeah uh and so tokyo like i, I intend to watch tokyo Godfather at some point i know it's christmasy right yeah. So maybe maybe this coming Christmas. I don't know. 
despite what uh Josh's swim fans who guested on the um Paranoia Agent season of Ghost Divers says Tokyo Godfathers is just a Christmas movie. Okay. Um it takes place during Christmas. It's about uh uh a like part of the plot is a trans woman who cannot have a kid like sort of having a baby in that they find a, a orphaned child and are trying to like figure out a way to to get the kid home um which plays with some like uh you know mother mary imagery and stuff uh the baby is saved by a literal christmas miracle at the end of the movie i don't know how it's not a christmas movie yeah, okay um i i have a very low it, i have a very low bar for things being christmas movies does it take place during christmas or reference the idea of christmas if so christmas movie i don't care um yeah though i i i, I mostly just bristle at people who are like the non-traditional Christmas movies are the best Christmas movies, and a real Christmas movie is, sh- you know, schmaltzy bullshit. That's the stuff that I like. I don't particularly like the Die Hard is the best Christmas movie people, just because it operates in such a like oppositional stance to movies that are about emotions are dumb, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, Die Hard is so weird too because it starts out and you're like, oh, this is a Christmas movie, and then it just becomes an action movie. Yeah, it really forgets in a way that is not about Christmas at all. Yeah. Uh, And then occasionally it remembers that it's a Christmas movie for like one scene, and then it goes back to just being an action movie. Um, Uh, Godfather is doomed to probably be my third favorite Christmas anime. That might not be true. I might love it. Who knows. Yeah. <laughs> number, what what are the other two? Number one is the Christmas episode of Ping Pong, um, which is fucking incredible. One of the oh, that's a great couple of minutes. Um, and then uh, number two would be uh, Mobile Mobile Report Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, <laughs> which is uh, a um, Christmas movie, OVA, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I always forget that uh, Endless Waltz is is Christmassy. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter much other than like there's a couple scenes set in like snowy cities um, and there's a big Christmas tree in the middle of the town that really doesn't matter yeah Um, I always think of of War in the Pocket as like the Gundam Christmas thing yeah my weird thing with War in the Pocket is because there's a Christmas parade and I know it takes place on Christmas Eve that's a that's a Thanksgiving anime to me because christmas parades happen on thanksgiving <laughs> that's just like the like yeah. quintessential american like brain connection i have is christmas par- the christmas parade is on thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that's when they parade goku down uh in new york city like you know what do you want um <laughs> and so i just i just immediately like even though you're right it's got a big santa it's, it's during christmas i just go oh yeah thanksgiving of course because, like, who yeah. cares about actual Thanksgiving? Fucking nobody. Uh, and I don't watch football, so it's just the it's just the parade holiday for me. I get work off on a Thursday. I go back in on Friday, and uh, and uh, the parade happens. Someone will post a clip yeah. of someone going, it's Goku. And then people argue on how you're pr- supposed to pronounce Saiyan every year. Because the, the newscasters will look at their fucking sheet and go cyan, and then everyone makes fun of them, but then all the super weebs make fun of them, like, no, that's actually how they say it in Japan. You're doing it wrong with your stupid American accent. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, Rover is wild in the prisoner. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like uh, A, B, and C was the first. Like, felt like it had a lot of um, them doing sort of like in in a way that I really expect from like uh, what was it late sixties late sixties uh, British sci fi. Mm-hmm. Um, like the dream machine just feels like a, uh, kind of sci-fi from or vibe from out of that. Mm-hmm. Some of the other stuff is just kind of like weird and vague. Um, just like the projection when he's looking at the book, um, on the wall behind him, mm-hmm. um, little details like that. Uh, but then like Rover just shows up as just like a, a bizarre sci-fi monster out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, what if this ball just took you back if you if you broke the? It's just like it's like a, such a video game idea. It just feels so weird in a thing from the sixties. It's like oh, you go out of bounds and the thing drags you back into the town. Yeah. Um. Also, I don't know if they keep doing this because I feel like they only really did it in the first episode. But the like shot of like uh rover like going over people's faces uh it's just like deeply suddenly unsettling yeah i don't think they do too much of that but it is um it is a lot yeah uh especially because the rest of the the i think the the show feels like very intentionally being kind of uh i would say cheeky Mm -hmm. with with a lot of the tone uh it knows what it is um it knows that it's funny um but yeah, so that was like just extra startling. Yeah. <laughs> because it just felt like genuinely a bit of a horror moment. Um uh, yeah. Um Yeah, we'll see where where I'm at in the prisoner the next time we record. Since we have two weeks. Yeah, we have two weeks. I could finish it. You couldn't. I don't know need to rush. Yeah. Um now that I've revealed it, I was I was debating if I was just not going to tell uh, anybody until I finished it. Um, but now that I I have revealed it, I'll probably spend more time like watching G Gundam and everything. So because I, I kind of fell off of watching that I'm when I started. I'm sending I'm sending this to the group chat. Jackson wanted me to message them immediately after I found out what it was. Just remember. Oh, okay. So, um. Uh, I I am so fascinated by what you're going to think of G Gundam as you get deeper in. It's not a show that yeah. I like or I think is particularly deep. I just everyone who who watches it has like so many backed up memories of seeing it back in the day, and I just like I've heard all those opinions and they're fine, but they don't really do anything to me. Like, what is it like to come to that knowing what the rest of Gundam looks like and be like, what the fuck? Why is it like this? <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my main knowledge of G Gundam coming into it was that like the, um, oh, what's the, the term for it? But like the SD Gundam characters that have like a bunch of just, uh, armored spikes all over. Yeah. Um, that like show up in S in SD Gundam. Yeah, all course, the Musha guys. I know. Yeah, the Musha guys. They become, like, the thing for SD Gundam. Yeah. Um, like, that's what I just thought SD Gundam was until I watched uh, earlier SD Gundam stuff. Yeah, me too. so much of the yeah. modern stuff is just all the Musha guys. Yeah. Um, 
And so, and I knew the only thing I knew, and I knew that from like when I first saw it of like, cause part of it is I saw that and I was like, when I think of Gundam, I don't think of like spiky guys like this. What is it? Where is this coming from? Um, and the very cursory search I did was that it comes from like G Gundam designs, which now I actually know the, the history behind that having watched SD Gundam force. Yeah. Um, but I was just expecting the designs to be way spikier, um, in G Gundam than they have so far. So, yeah, no, no. G Gundam uh, does not feel out of place with the rest of the Gundams. They, they exist in design wise outside of the ridiculous national character. They give all the robots, right? It's just yeah. the tenor of the show is weird. And I mean that not just in like a, you know, obviously it's weird because um, it's a weird fight show by Imagawa in the middle of Gundam. Um, but it's it's a bad fight show <laughs> made by Ishigawa in the middle of Gundam or Imagawa. And I'm like, you the the main the main thing that we always complain about with G Gundam is it's a show built around a fighting tournament, but the tournament doesn't have rules and is booked terribly. You had one job, um, yeah. And it's weird because like we watched SD Gundam Force, and I'm like, I have so much more affection to for the SD Musho versions of all these G Gundam guys than I ever had in G Gundam. Um, Kiba, oh, Kiba Umaru I... is like based on a throwaway villain G Gundam guy who literally doesn't matter is in like two episodes but he's like my favorite gundam villain at this point yeah um he is great as a character i don't like his design in the way that you do uh it just never transferred over but i do like his character um um yeah i just like that he has a big mustache i don't care about the like spiky electric bits but i do love his big fuck off mustache He's just got oh, he's just yeah. got intense Sao Sao energy in a way that I really appreciate. I bet when we get to actual Three Kingdoms Gundam, I'm going to like their real Sao Sao much less than Kiba Omari's version of Sao Sao. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one other thing I knew about G Gundam that was like one of the first things that I knew about it. Um, well, I knew the the so I knew about Nobel Gundam for a while. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was like years before I learned that that was from a show. I thought that it was just like some weird like uh, Sailor Moon Gundam like Gunpla crossover thing. Yeah. Um. Most like for for years basically like like until I was like very intentionally looking into Gundam stuff and found out like no this is actually in a show. Um. And I know that it's the Sweden one, but I haven't gotten to it in the in my watch. So yeah. Um, you will both be delighted by how much screen time it gets and disappointed that it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> so, yeah, I want it to be cool, but right. I know it's that it's probably like, I know that it's probably not going to be, um, fully supported in the story as the girl Gundam. Yeah. Um, there's like a, a joke happening there where, uh, I just don't expect that much from it, from, an uh, anime from the nineties. Um, which also watching G Gundam, the '90s extremely happened to Gundam. <laughs> yes, uh, there's some Slayers happened to Gundam. <laughs> yeah, is, is is part of it. Um, yeah, I, Slayers is weird because it's one of those that I I don't really ever think of. Um, and I feel like the only people who ever bring it up are just fucking old anime old heads. Um, which is always funny to me. Yeah, I absolutely watched it as like a just you know watching anime back in the day sort of thing um it's not one of my favorites but i do have a weird affection for it and it just like um 
it defines like a certain mood of anime to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't remember when the actual anime happened because I feel like it was a little bit later. Um, but I know the like light novels were basically like the start of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, the the anime was ninety five. So I think that was actually after G Gundam. Um, yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah, like just barely after, but in the they're around the same time, but G Gundam slightly predates it. Um, I do enjoy the like '90s anime. Just has a very specific vibe for me that I enjoy because mm. I watched so much of it growing up. Um, like when I was getting into anime, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ray Earth is a '90s anime. It's uh, weird because '90s anime means so many different things to me, like aesthetically, because like Escaflone and Lane and Dragon Ball Z are all '90s anime like ultimately yeah and it's like how do you square any of that together like the the decade just feels like the time when anime was at its most aesthetically diverse but i I don't feel that way about the 80s i feel like an 80s anime looks like an 80s anime from a thousand yards away yeah um there's just like a a specific way that like i think part of it is uh there is, to me, like, part of it is there is a greater diversity, but there's also, like, a certain amount of, like, 90s hair just, like, mm-hmm. permeates a lot of, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, like, the details of the eyes just seem turned up compared to a lot of other stuff. Uh, and then especially as you go, like, I feel like, um, like, more dominant aesthetics have just developed since the 90s um, that are feel like a little bit less loose um it's like 90 stuff is like constantly riding this line between like slightly on model slightly off model um in the way that like later stuff is like everything is trying to be as on model as possible mm-hmm. uh, and i think some of that was just technology being different stuff wasn't being hand drawn anymore um but um Now I'm just looking at pictures of Ray Earth because I love that show. Uh, Ray Earth's <laughs> all right. I wish I... Ray Earth, it's weird because like, I watch Ray Earth and I'm like, this is more what I wanted from G Gundam. But I also was frustrated because um, while G Gundam mostly disappointed me, I wish that it was a little more coherent. Ray Earth's like coherent, but it just makes me expect more of it like story-wise. And I was like, why is the second season just like everyone standing around with their dicks out all the time? Like, do something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever, I know I like vaguely suggested that, uh, second season production was bad, but yeah, um, I know, I know yeah, that my, it like deviates quite a bit from the book at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, it is a thing where, so the person who is writing the book was also working on the anime. And so there was intentional deviation there, but also like, um, it seems like stuff was collaborative, but like the character of Nova was introduced by the director. It's like a character that he liked from another thing that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like took it in a different direction. Um, but 
yeah, there there's a certain amount of like him getting some imp- more input than he had for the the first season, which is really just like you have to adapt the the manga that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the second season, it was uh, like the manga was just starting to be written yeah. when uh, like I think maybe the first like volume came out while the show was airing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one that's closest to the show. Um, but yeah, then a lot of the other stuff, th- there was like some collaborative writing where uh, Clamp was involved. But um, the real thing is that uh, like every interview and stuff that I, I've seen from it or like read translations of, um, the director's just constantly talking about how like, so he came up directing uh, adult like OVAs and late night anime stuff. Okay. Uh, where it was like short and there's just different ex- expectations from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing this like daytime primetime thing, uh, there's just very different demands from studios on like what he was making. And uh, a lot of what happened with season two is they kept pushing him to like half cliffhangers mm-hmm. because season one, it was so devoid. Like each episode feels like its own distinct thing in season one. And it's part of what works for season one. Um, and the studio, like, uh, and like production or whatever, um, they wanted like cliffhangers, uh, and then basically were like constantly reporting to him about, uh, the like ratings and, and basically threatening at any time to like, just cancel the project. And so you reach this point when you're like about 10 12 episodes into the to season two where it feels like he's just like he knows how he wants to end it and so he has stuff like in place where he can't end it but then they just keep saying well actually you do need to make more episodes and so he like wants to be able to have a good ending yeah and not have to rush that but is constantly being threatened that the uh show will end at any moment yeah um and then they they did end it early, but only by one episode. Mm. Um, and it's one of those like I feel like the show would actually be better if they ended it earlier. Yeah, because a lot of it, like I think the setup's really good. Like you know, we we ruined the foundation of this world, so there everyone's just kind of huddled in the last castle as we fight for who's going to become the new like seed for the new world. Um, all these different universes barge in, but everyone just kind of stands around waiting for the ending to happen. It's like there's all these like. Uh, relationships on the ground they don't really go anywhere it's just a lot of like faffing about until like okay it hit the final <laughs> sequence that i have written out like it feels that way it feels padded yeah um and uh, yeah i think it was just a combo of like them constantly threatening to to cancel it mm-hmm. and then him not re- really having the experience in like daytime anime to know how to like handle doing fillers while being stuck in that period mm. um and so it all just kind of gets dragged out in the middle um the like middle like eight to ten episodes um are they're just like the generally the most boring part of the there's some interesting stuff in there that happens but you could easily condense it down into like two or three episodes <laughs> yeah um And yeah, there's definitely just the point where you reach it where, um, like, there's just, like, episode after episode where the crown is, like, reforming into the person that it's supposed to be for, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for the new pillar or yeah. whatever, uh, and it's just stuck there forever. Um, but also the ending is still fantastic. I love the last two episodes, um, especially the second to last. 
um uh yeah i mean i didn't i didn't dislike it or anything it's just kind of messy in a way that i was like mm. i mean this is the thing it's weird because it's messy in like such specific troubled anime production ways and not in the ways that like clamp things are messy which is messy in like a whole yeah. like spiritually elevated level <laughs> i would describe clamps version of messy as like a car crash of like intent versus like taste um that i find electric i love clamp stuff uh i really want to read all, ray earth and all the other clamp stuff that i haven't gotten to yet um but they make some fucking weird ass books <laughs> uh do you want me to spoil one thing about the the ray earth 2 manga oh yeah go ahead i don't mind um so in the show and then the manga it ends up being this like uh, who will be the next pillar, yeah. Hikaru or um, Eagle? And that happens in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it gets resolved in the manga is that uh, Makona is revealed to be the creator. Okay. Which is like referring to like Makona as like the god of this world, but is also kind of a joke because Makona is the name of one of the members of Clamp. Yes. Um, and Makona transports them to like just Tokyo like mo- like done by an episode they go to tokyo yeah. except everything's frozen in time oh uh, uh, Neo Crystal tokyo yeah <laughs> um and uh they have to battle it out and it's like i'm not letting you leave until one of you kills the other so that we can decide who the pillar is going to be um and then i won't spoil how it ends from there but um, I think the most unbelievable thing about Magic Knight Ray Earth is that Clef is just a good guy the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Literally the second that fucking child was introduced, I'm like, oh, he's the big bad. In any other story, he is the, he is either the, the big bad of the first season or like the big bad of the second season. Um, they've done this like exact kind of reveal in other works. Um, I just like, I'm like, this is the most obviously signified secret evil bad guy that's ever lived. And he's not. He's just a little mage boy who grows up in between seasons. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's very I'm funny I'm trying to, to remember, because there's the there's a OVA that's just called Ray Earth. Okay. Um, and whenever I look at, uh, at, at Ray Earth, who's renamed uh, Lexus in the in the OVA, but mm. like the mech that uh Hikaru pilots. Uh every time I look at Lexus, I'm like, they killed my boy. <laughs> look at what they've done to my boy. It's so it's such a bad design. Um but it's like all dark and edgy, and I still think that they don't make Clef evil. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> he he was the most evil. Um they make some wild choices in the in the OVA though. Um my favorite is uh just for like how bizarre it is is that uh Fario has a bunch of powers around like controlling horrible insects. Just like swarms of like maggots and like flying locusts and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh just a very like I don't know how you get that from Fario. I do not know. I li- I I liked Fario. That was the best part. I'm like, "Oh, there's like a I love the nineties shoujo vibe of like, here's the love interest boy. And he's not like a nothing. He's like, he has an actual character and I tend to like, enjoy them. Um, miss that. Yeah. Just need to read more shoujo, like get the fuck out of this, uh, 
shonen mecha hole that I'm stuck in. Yeah. Um, Fairy was great. Yeah. Although the downside, I did try to Google Ferio just to look at him, and you do get the uh, car. Yeah, you you do get the Civic. <laughs> you do get a you do get a Honda Civic if you just Google Ferio. I mean, I'll look at a Honda Civic. If you want me to look at a Honda Civic, I don't care. I'm not above it. Yeah, it's just not what I'm expecting. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you know, if I like, if I Google like Alcione, I'm am I gonna get the car? Or am I gonna get? Oh, well, no, I'm going to get the constellation that the car is named after, that the character is named after. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I scroll down and I see her before I see the, the car. Yeah. You know? If I Google Clef, I get Clef from Ray Earth. I, well, no. I get I get the Clef, the musical thing. <laughs> but not the car. I still don't get the car. Yeah, Fairy no. is just the one where you always get the car. <laughs> uh, those Civic uh, drivers, they're just like that. I was looking at pictures yeah. of Honda Civics uh, drifting now, so you know what? My night's going right. Um, was it did did C Destiny have the Wyndham? Yes. Yeah. Um. This week was the introduction of the Wyndham, world's most yeah. boring suit. It's not a Phoenix or anything. Nor is it a a little gremlin man who's the thorn in Cooper's side. No, honestly, that that's good because I'd be really mad if it was that. <laughs> I hate Windermere so much. I can't believe that you love season two so much, but don't like Windermere. He's just they he they try too hard. He's too wacky. It upsets the the, the thing with Twin Peaks that is good is it's like terrible ideas and often like very silly ideas presented very straight faced and winter roll is too much like wink wink nudge nudge we're making a joker man to me i just i can't go there i think that he's they, they set him up as being this big crazy bad guy uh and what comes out is like a little goblin clown man who sucks and i hate him so much uh, this may not surprise you if you listen to puton i i like how much of a uh, let down he is compared to everything built up around him. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Love how much he just sucks. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, um, I don't go here with this, but I don't like. At least someone, you're like the only person I know who actually thinks that when I'm all like works, but not in like a, um, not in like I think he's cool because there definitely seems people who just think he's like a neat villain. And I just can't be. I can't go here. Um, yeah, no. But I think the ways in which he's like a weirdo just don't work. You've already, Twin Peaks already set up too many weirdos. You can't have the bad guy also be a different weirdo um, in a bigger cartoony way. Uh, the only thing I like is that when Leo gets caught in the spider trap, I think that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, every time when we were watching season one and Leo would be on screen, I'd just be like, I can't wait for spiders to eat this man (laughs) (laughs) um earl is far from my favorite part of season two Mm -hmm. but i do enjoy him in it fair enough um he would not be he's not my least favorite thing of season two yeah my least favorite thing is that flower creep 
What's that guy's name? Harold? Uh, yeah, I think it's Harold. Yeah, I fucking hate Harold. That's the worst part of his season two of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, what an <clears throat> awful man. <laughs> a lot of bad things in Twin Peaks. Some of them are intentional. Yeah. <laughs> the racism is bad. Yeah. The, the racist subplot. <clears throat> I mean, I love Catherine, but... Uh, yeah, well. I'm trying to remember what her name is, or what the... Tojimura. I think it's Tajimura, but... Or Tajimura? It is spelled T-O. Is it? Oh, yeah, to- Tojimura. Say... Yes, you're right. Yeah, but they probably say Tajimura on the show, because... The, um, the moment I realized, before they had, like, tipped their hand that it was Piper Laurie, uh, dressed as a japanese businessman i fucking like gasped <laughs> you just they just don't make tv like they used to. <laughs> and it's probably for the best but uh yeah. i can't imagine a show caught catching me so by surprise <laughs> um, i love Catherine. what a fucking awful evil character she sucks in the best ways i love her yeah yeah, she's great. Um, anyway, I don't know if I have that much else. No, we can just call it a night. It's fine. Um, yeah. We're taking next week off. Because uh, it's uh, time for me to do my other podcast. I have to edit it and shit. Um, which means we will be back on uh, March the 2nd for Nyal Saga 91 to 112. That's a far fewer amount of chapters i will say and not that many fewer but fewer yeah um let me look some of this is this was another part where um it's very hard for me to break it like a oh, I, I don't mind it's not a problem arc moment i need to think about buying um, our next book is what i need to do yeah i know we have a month but the month goes quick um god we have so much james Scrangler to read yes <laughs> it's gonna be a bunch of different dudes but i'm gonna amazon right now uh do plugs while i buy this book uh people can follow me at fox omnia on twitter and also co-host although i'm not posting a lot on co-host right now uh aside from heathcliff comics this book um, is 40 dollars Forty dollars. The paperback version of this, yes. Yeah, I mean it is it is big. Yeah, no, I bet. Um, it also has a cover that I would generously describe as looking like some Nazi shit. <laughs> What's the cover? <laughs> um, let me. Um, is it is it the same that I have? Just the the red one. Yeah, the, the red one with the fucking font and like this fucking weird logo, <laughs> and it's like. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just. Yep. It's fine. Um Anyway, uh go listen to my other podcasts. Um Ghost Divers, we're doing Iron Blooded Orphans. Um this Friday is our first discussion episode. Um and the first one was like a little messy just cuz there's so many like themes that exist in Gundam that we have to like talk about how the show is you know like 
in dialogue with those themes. Um, but then our second discussion episode, which will be in like three weeks uh, or two weeks, I guess. Um, that one was was really good. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot. I mean, the first one was good, too. It was just slightly weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, Ornate Stairwells is the movie podcast that uh, got messed up this week, so we weren't able to respond about it. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you were like, "I'm that's all right, I'm going to respond about Neon Demon, and then you didn't say a fucking thing about it. I mean, you're you're mostly correct. It's just, I I think that the the biggest thing when I was listening is, uh, I just have more space for movies that are like, uh, fully constantly existing in the realm of dream space. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, um, Revan is just a a, a guy who like fully believes, um in all of this like beauty stuff that he's saying yeah. in that movie. Um, yeah. He, he absolutely is like, the, I think the, the best description I have of him is he's the kind of person who would tweet like, uh, you know, truly beautiful women look better without makeup. And then it's like photos of women who are <laughs> yes. obviously wearing makeup. It's just like a more natural yes, style absolutely. rather than like the, yeah, that's just absolutely the type of guy he is. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you didn't mention, that's still the funniest thing to me is because they talks like multiple times. I feel like in that movie um, about how she's just so naturally beautiful, including she has like hair that other girls dye their hair to look like and you can just in every single shot see that she has like different colored roots she dyes her hair yes um and it it just like drove me nuts in the ways that uh there are also things that will be made this movie is a little bit this where there are things that are made about fashion but clearly the people doing it don't actually care about fashion Mm -hmm. and so none of the fashion is good or what people who care about fashion or do fashion are like actually interested in or doing um i felt that a little bit here Mm -hmm. um but that was the biggest where i was just like what is going on here yeah (laughs) um anyway that was my main my main thing about neon demon i don't think it's that great uh i do like when when they're just covered in blood there are multiple moments where people are covered in blood and i just enjoy that so yeah um, fair enough yeah um my other podcast is pondering futon um which currently uh given the chapters we've been reading has been a lot about forgetting things so we'll read some new chapters and whatever our weird gimmick is will become different but um right now it's a lot of forgetfulness okay and not being able to say the names of things yeah driving me up a wall (laughs) (laughs) where can people find you you can find me on twitter at em underscore being you can find all my podcasts at neuralmapping.com um you can listen to our episode on the Neo, Neon Demon. Go to RepTroyScreenings.com. I think that was a very good episode. I brought just a boatload of movies to that, and I have another boatload of movies for next week. I'm already, like, five movies deep, and uh, it's been four days. Sometimes things happen. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. 
you can find all of my exclusive Patreon podcasts at Patreon.com slash normal mapping. Give us $10 if you're so inclined. You'll get VoIP light for me and Jackson. Hang out and goof off. We just, it, it's coming out next week. We did a bracket of the 100, 120 movies, 128 movies that we covered for Reptoid Screenings, Blockbusters, Beach House, um, GGP, just anything that was a movie, basically, uh, of notes, yeah. and uh, put them in a seated bracket based on letterbox rating. Um, and then went through and picked our the the best movie we have ever covered. Um, I feel all right about our answer. I'll be honest. You, if you go into the Discord, um, you can probably find a pin with the uh, prediction sheet. And if not, ask and someone will give it to you. Um, that VoIP Life will be coming out next Friday. And uh, I think people will enjoy it. I'm I'm so curious if anyone got a- even close to all of them right. I've heard yeah. your prediction. I'm going to tell you, you didn't 100% it. <laughs> <laughs> the, so... Like you had me me do it, and then put a a great load of expectation on me to get things correct. I think I think uh, that has just stressed me out. I think in my heart, you're the person I think knows enough about both movies and the taste of the podcast to go the distance. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone else will beat you, but I think you're the person to beat. If I was a betting person and putting money on it, I'd yeah. put my money on you. Not a lot, but um, some. We'll see. One of the things that threw me is, uh, one, there's just some movies that that I haven't seen. Yes. And so I have like a general sense on, on where you both fall on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't like seen it in a way where I can have like a clearer intuitive sense. Yeah. Um, and the other part of that is, and I think this is part of where m- maybe I think, uh, I probably got further than, than some other people, which is that. A lot of those movies that I haven't seen are anime movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a, a number of anime movies, including ones that like I have intentionally not listened to the episodes about because we might do Ghost Divers. Like the the Psychopaths one, I have no idea. I know that like generally you and Jackson like the Psychopaths movie, but I, I have do. like no idea of like what level that's at because mm. I haven't listened to that because I'm intentionally avoid avoiding Psychopath stuff until we get to it on Ghost Divers. Okay. Um, I still don't really know what Psychopaths is about. okay that's that's exciting i think psychopaths is really fucking good for the record i like it a lot um i think it's like vaguely and again don't even correct me on this i'm just putting out where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. i think it's like vaguely cyberpunk Mm -hmm. i think that like the main characters are some sort of police force or Mm -hmm. something but also like very distinct from like ghost in the shell kind of stuff Mm mm-hmm um um that's all i really know yeah the thing the thing i will say about the bracket is the first the first the first the first uh the first two in contention are the highest rated movie on the list which is everything everywhere all at once these are letterbox ratings for the record and the second movie is the lowest of all the ratings of the 128 movies in the list which is g savior the live action canadian gundam film and if you get that one wrong get the fuck out of our community <laughs> I don't know if I got it wrong or not. I feel like I know what I said. I feel like anyone who knows me and Jackson's taste and can get that one <laughs> easily, easily. 
I think it's a little shoe in one in contention. There's some like obvious ones I think in there. I think that is maybe the most like you you laugh that only Letterboxd would put these as like obviously the highest and lowest, and then you give it to us and we pick the one we pick. You know? Yeah. There's a gimme for anyone picked, doing who hasn't done I the. I think I yet. picked. Yeah, I think I picked correctly. Okay. <laughs> um. Um. Letterboxd ratings of what movies are good. Um. Is you know, like everyone clowns the IMDb 250 with good reason, but Letterbox version of that is also intensely embarrassing. Like, get over yourselves. Yeah. Um. um I was deeply amused by the um. The like Ava 3.0 plus 1.0 versus what was it up against? I think that was up against uh Ready Player One. Is that correct? I believe. That's oh correct. yeah. Yeah. Um, Which to me, you can you can refrain from commenting on. I will. Uh, but it to me, it felt like uh, so there's that like meme of like coughing baby versus hydrogen bomb. Uh, <laughs> hydrogen bomb. And it felt to me like uh, and, you know, I'm doing in the order of Ava first already dead baby versus coughing baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my opinion. Looking at that and just knowing your tastes uh, again, I could be wrong, but. Um, have you seen the rebuilds? I have. Okay. I never. The I, first part of 3.0 plus 1.0, uh, I enjoy a lot. Um, you mean the Paris then, thing or like just generally the first half or that the farm and stuff? The farm stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. It's a shame about the rest of it. Um, yeah. It's, it's a real shame <laughs> about the rest of it. Uh, the thing that Connor knows nothing about it. And at some point we have to do it on Ghost Divers um, because we had like such. Even though, like, our reads of what's happening in End of Evangelion are are fairly aligned, we had such different, like, final conclusions uh, and, like, opinions about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just knowing that, I'm like, what if Connor really likes 3.0 plus 1.0? There are people in the <laughs> world who know feel this. this way about it. I don't, I I don't understand it. <laughs> um, I just have to know. Yeah. Like... So yeah, we're gonna have to watch all of them at some point on Ghost Divers. Yeah. Um, well, the the worst part, like three point one point oh, don't like it very much. Um, it's not that; it's watching Ava one point oh again. I would rather do anything else with my. That's literally throwing time in a pit and setting on a fire. Yeah, I think that first movie's so fucking boring. It just all here's all the episodes from the first six episodes of Ava, but they they look like shit now. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. And they're and they're truncated so you're yes. missing a lot of the like interesting little bits at the margins. Yeah. Um I do I really love the the like sniper mm-hmm. episode in particular because of how much it cause, calls attention to like Ava's are designed to put a child in it and like throw it face to face with an angel like literally as close as possible. The main weapon that they have is like a a a knife like they're Mm -hmm. just supposed to like run up and shank things um and the moment that they have to do something long distance it's like we have to shut down all of fucking japan to do this we have to requisition from like three different other government agencies um we have to like develop this whole convoluted plan it's like the most complex like we just have to like stop everything to to figure out how to do this because literally our entire plan was just to have someone in an Ava get as close as possible and now we don't know what to do. Um and there's like in universe explanations that come up about why things are that way. Uh but I also just think it's fascinating that like 
they just have no plan for how to do a sniper thing and they have to like bootstrap everything in the last minute. Um, also there's some great like character moments between, uh, Shinji and Ray, but, um, so I do, I will enjoy just like vaguely that part. Uh, but also anytime that I like, cause I've seen the first movie twice now. Um, because I watched it like when it first came out, and then when 3.0 plus 1.0 came out, I rewatched it. Um, and it, it is just like I watch it being like, man, I just wish I was watching the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, the second movie's good. I find the third movie boring, but I understand why people like it. I, um, the third movie fixes some of the things that I genuinely despise about Ava TV. Um, mostly I, like Shinji's disillusion of self and all the Kaoru stuff, I think makes way more sense in the movie where Shinji's just the, this, a, a person suffering very reasonable mental angst as the world falls apart around him, um, in a way that I think doesn't work in the metaphors of the television show. Um, where like I'm, I'm sad your dad sucks, but the world's like about to end. Please get in the robot. Three point is like the world's already ended, and every adult is crazy and evil. So it's okay that you're a little unbalanced right now. In fact, it's the same way to be. I feel like Shinji's the sanest person in Ava Rebuild Three, and I don't feel that way about Ava TV. And that's what I like about that movie in particular. Yeah, I think some of this is some of those issues to me get fixed in the the manga in a different way. I've not read but, the manga um, for the record. Yeah. Uh, one of the core, and I think this is something that, um, was it Yoshiyuki, I think is the, the character designer who did the manga. I don't know. Um, I think that's his name. Anyway, the, the character designer for the, um, the, like, characters in the show also does the manga. Um, and the way that he describes it, uh, it, like, comes through and it's part of what I actually like about the manga uh, is there's sort of an inverse where like a lot of the characters in the show are like um, ha- having a breakdown like internally and trying to act uh, normal on the outside as best as they can mm-hmm. until finally like everything crumbles uh, and stuff gets sort of inverted where in the manga characters are more willing to show their distress to other people and in doing so are actually able to have like a healthier internal mental life because it means that they're actually able to talk to the people around them about like the mental distress that they're going through um and that's like the the core difference between it and once you like do that that flip having shinji going through all this stuff but being able to like actually have conversations with like ray about what's happening and things um just makes the manga feel radically different and fixes a lot of those things for me um and then uh Korra comes in as like literally just like the shittiest brat um he's just like a a terrible person and the manga is like aware of that but then also understands why there's like a certain wheel uh weird appeal to him um and the scene where shinji has to kill him is just like one of the gayest scenes in like someone killing somebody in a manga that I've read. <laughs> I feel like you could read uh, more manga about people gay killing each other. That's your, uh... well, I mean, there's other, there's ways where it's, di- it's a different tone. <laughs> okay. Um, but we're saying we got friends very... who could hook you out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Look, I know some, 
Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, that's why you should listen to <laughs> Voip Life next Friday. <laughs> uh, this podcast comes out most Thursdays. Uh, subscribe and you get it Wednesday night when I edit it, like uh, tonight when I get off the call and edit it. Um, and uh, like I said, no next week, but we'll be back in two weeks. Please tell your friends. Uh, let us know what you think. Read along if you're so inclined. I know most people are not, and they seem to be enjoying themselves anyway, because this is only about one third of Saga's podcast by volume. Um, but you know, need some reason to keep. If we just if we just turned this into VoIP life too and showed up, it would fall apart in weeks. I I guarantee. In my brain, I know this is true. Um, yeah. Also, I just like the sagas. They're good. Yeah, um, they're fun. This one's this one's no Lax de la Saga. I'll tell you that though. Yeah. I do like Lockstella Saga more. Um, um, there are some great moments in it. I feel like the battles in Nial Saga uh, have some like more exciting descriptions, but true. also a lot of it feels more hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Lockstella was far more just like this person got hit this in this spot and died. Um, whereas here you get some cool like people doing maneuvers, jumping around. Uh, I think next reading we're going to get a really cool kill. Okay, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but um yeah we get, we get another like little action scene greatest saga fight of all time 60 frames per second 1080p yeah i mean not the 60 frames per second 1080p but people do talk about this scene that way okay like the best like kill in all of sagas all right i bet i'm gonna be underwhelmed then with that kind of uh depiction <laughs> uh we're done here yeah uh thanks everybody uh with that we're out of the podcast then we were out of the box. Thank you.